the Golden Globes happened. I thought they were the Oscars. I didn't watch them. Um, I actually, I watched, you know, it's interesting these days. I don't, I think people don't watch a lot of things live, but um, my friends were texting about it. So I was like, I could turn it on right now from get out of my bed and turn it on, or I could just like wait till clips pop up on Twitter in seven minutes. So I just like kept refreshing Twitter to watch like little clips of moments that happened eight minutes after they had happened. I had to watch the Bills game, so it was interfering with my football time. Yeah, how did the Eagles oh, play? Let's not talk about them. Was it good? <laughs> <laughs> the band? The band played this weekend? Where'd they play? Uh. <laughs> did they play at Lincoln Financial Field? Because the Eagles did not. <laughs> um, we, they, yeah, they're not doing great, but hopefully the things will turn around. Maggie, I don't know about you. But I'm feeling not 22. I have. Um, I'm going into this into the season with a zero zero mentality. You know, the rest of the season doesn't matter. It's zero zero. Everyone starts over. So I'm going in with uh, each week is a, is a week we have to we have to win. win. But your team, the Bills, <laughs> not, to, not to digress and talk about football, but the Bills um, just finished. I think like five and zero, right? And the last five, yeah. I don't know, like the five, fifth, and the last five we're really second well. seed yeah. so and we're AFC East champions. Yeah, we finished one in sex. I think the highlights were, and um, Andrew hasn't watched it, but it's I'm going to spoil something now. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't care about the award <laughs> shows. True, I care I love, about I the results. I love watching play. the monologue I, yeah, okay. and the clips too. But I'm not going to sit down and watch a fucking. I wasn't. No, of course. I wasn't upset. I'm just talking about the monologue. Different from the monologue, I actually wasn't upset with any of the winners. Yeah, I agree. Like, usually, I'm like over arms about something. I wasn't upset. Yeah, no, I wasn't. Well, Oppenheimer won a lot, which I still haven't seen. I thought I it was really see. good, so I was kind of I was okay with. That. Oh yeah, I, people. I mean, everyone has said it's good. Although I, I was upset about Greta Gerwig not getting the recognition again she deserves. I feel like she's always nominated, and she yeah for director really deserves recognition. And I feel like honestly, what wasn't highlighted except for the presentation that uh, Julia Gardner did, she mentioned that this was the first award show since the WGA, like everything. And I felt like that was like not talked about by like anybody else. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yes, that wasn't talked about at all. I was just going to say. You could have so much good content or like, and make humor out of the fact that this is the first award show. You could give congratulations to writers. You could talk about progress being made in Hollywood. No, none of that. Because it's too smart. None None of it. I did love, maybe there was a rule that they couldn't, like, I don't know, maybe it was like an unsaid, I don't know. No, part of their contract is they can now talk about things. So like. I did love, and I'm not a huge Will Ferrell fan. I go back and forth on him. Sometimes I find him pretty stupid, but I kind of loved him and Kristen Wiig's moment last night. You guys should watch it after. It was pretty funny. They they presented together. They kept playing music as they were speaking and then they would like stop and then they like would just start dancing to the beat of the, and the music was like really funny music. I don't know. It was, it was like very Will Ferrell humor. And Krista Wig humor, but it felt very SNL like, and I loved it. So that was one funny spot. Again, I didn't watch the whole thing though, but I guess Oppenheimer won a lot. Would anything else of, of worth win? I don't even know. I mean, I loved Beef, and I think that it got every award that it deserved, and I was really happy with how the night turned out. I want to watch that, and I also have been saying forever, and I'm going to because of the man's GQ photo shoot. But um, the um, chef, I'm going to watch that now. Oh, they my two God. The last bear. Oh. oh, the bear. I keep calling it the chef. Well, that makes you sense. You dumb bitch. It's about chefs. But it's called the bear. The bear is something else. Okay. Go on Pornhub. Oh, no, thank you. How do you pronounce the lead actress's name? I always I say know. it wrong. Does anybody know? I've never heard it. If that's like weird it was a to big, say. It was a big day for my kind of people. Irish people. She's Irish. She is, even though she's, no, she's you can be not. black and Irish, and it's different than black Irish. No, but she's she she's talks about she's not Irish. Irish. She talks about being Nigerian. Like, stop! Someone told me she was Irish. I mean, does she play? Does she play an Irish person on the show? No. Wait, what is her name? No, her parents. Her her. Okay, so her mother's from Barbados, and her father's Nigerian, and they settled in Dorchester. So Wait, I stop. Stop. I think Kirk heard Boston, aka Dorchester, which is close I'm enough, screaming. and said Irish. That is an African American woman. I'm claim. Uh, you know what? I'm claiming her. Are you Irish? <laughs> I'm Irish. I, I look like a fucking leprechaun. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember when we found out he's not six two? If I wasn't Irish, I'd be <laughs> problematic for pretending to be a leprechaun. Um, gosh, no. Okay. Well, sorry to her. She's not Irish. My bad. What? Her name is spelled A Y O, right? Yeah, but it's definitely not A O, is it? No, I, I think it's I think it's pronounced I O. Yeah, I, I love O. Her. I O. 
She's, she's so incredibly so talented. She's so good in the bear. And she's super deserved to, let, to win for the bear. I kept seeing a bunch of interviews on the red carpet and stuff of her um, where they were showing. And it was I actually, I kind of felt bad for her because they kept showing her the picture of him and GQ as her co-star. She's like, this is to me is a work event. Stop showing me like my, my co-workers like naked photos. That's real. And like, I think she was joking at first, but by like the fifth or sixth one, she was like, no, I'm literally like enough. It's really played out. Like every single outlet brought a picture of it. I mean, like not for nothing. How fucking annoying is it to be? Is it to be like a up and coming actress? And like the one question that people ask is, what do you think of your co-star that you have a like pretty respectful relationship with in this picture? He's, well, he's married. Separated. Uh-uh. And everybody he's seems separated. to forget that. Listen. He's well, dating separated. He's dating Sabrina Carpenter. Fair. Yeah, I keep track of my white men. <laughs> I thought Sabrina Carpenter was dating the um actor from um Saltburn. Oh, you're right. This is got I got my Irishman mixed up. I think they're both Irish. <laughs> they all look the same. <laughs> Stop okay. listening to Kurt. Barry, Barry, Barry Keoghan is Irish. I saw his penis and we have big dicks. That is him. Yes. He's Irish. Barry Keoghan is Irish and is dating Selena. Or, Sabrina um, Carpenter. Selena, um, this guy was dating Selena Gomez? Sabrina Carpenter. No. 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 He was. <laughs> Wait. No. He's, no, he's I, dating no. someone. What's his name? What's his name? Jeremy Allen White. Yeah. I, I just know that he like very. He yes. got divorced last year. He's literally dating Rosalia. He's dating Rosalia. Okay. There you go. Selena oh, that's Gomez. hot. <laughs> Same oh difference. my god. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh my god. But Rosalia, I love Rosalia. Famously, also not Irish. Conspiracy theories start from. Kurt. <laughs> I am Q. That's how Andrew and I met. The title of this episode is going to be "Are They Irish?" And then everyone's going to be like, <laughs> "Is this some Irish pride?" <laughs> I think we need to reboot that decom movie about the luck of the Irish. <laughs> oh my god! Stop! I forgot about that movie. That man was kind of fine. The Irish old man leprechaun? No, the guy who turns into a leprechaun, you stupid Oh, he bitch. played, he's also in motocross, right? I think he was the same guy in motocross. I don't think that's right. <laughs> okay, well, anyway. I actually, no, that's not right. Because I don't think that timeline matches up. Whatever, is it Ricky Oldman? I just say, whenever I ask someone from Disney Channel, I'm like, oh, it's Ricky Oldman. Who I think was no. literally just Phil of the future. Yeah, I was going to say, um, that's also not him. Also, I think he's Ryan. No, he's not. He's, I think he's, I don't know what he is. Well, are we anyway, going to say he's Irish? <laughs> He's not. He's like, I think he's Indian of sorts. I think you're correct. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Well, what is this episode called? Healthcare? This is about healthcare? Yes. Oh, y- yes. <laughs> What's this well, episode? <laughs> how do we transition from that to healthcare? We don't have to. <laughs> you know, this is how we do it. This is how we do the transition to healthcare. Cobra? In like. Two seconds, you're going to hear Erica start talking about healthcare. Erica being me in third person, apparently. (laughs) As we all know, America is the greatest country on this planet. Red, white, and blue till the dead die, motherfucker. Yeah, brother. These colors don't bleed. We may be ranked 36th in literacy, 43rd in life expectancy, as well as gender equality, but we are number one where it counts, and that's in our motherfucking bags, baby. The United States is ranked number one in healthcare spending because we have made up money to blow. No other country on this planet spends on healthcare like the good old U.S. of A. Yes, you heard me. We beat out those shithole countries like Denmark, Germany, and Sweden for investing in the welfare of our great citizens. (laughs) So, you may be wondering, how is it that the same country that spends the most on healthcare could be ranked lower in in overall health and life expectancy? The answer is simple. American exceptionalism. What other country can make a basic human need in over $800 billion industry? What great nation has the balls to monetize the right to live? That's right, America the beautiful. <laughs> America spends roughly the same amount as its wealthy counterparts on socialized healthcare, including Medicare, Medicaid, and VA spending. With the average American spending $12,000 a year on health care, and that's per individual, how is it that so much money can be used so ineffectively? Well, us idiots are here to help you understand how that math maths and to get to the bottom of why so much money can be made to do so little. 
This week's episode is on the ever-confusing American healthcare system. So pull out your most recent medical bill and we'll walk you through all the creative ways that hospitals and insurance companies absolutely fuck us into a financial oblivion. This part is the part that I'm like fucking dreading because it's so much reading. Ugh. Okay. Ugh. I mean, I can read it. Do you want me to read this no, part? No, it's fine. Oh, no. Actually, I can't read it. I was going to say. You know why? Because because America ranks 36 and <laughs> in, 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 I'm trying to, in, in literacy, that's the word, in literacy. <laughs> But aren't we number one in prisoners? Hell yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> that prison industrial complex stays getting paid. Okay, okay. <clears throat> so if you ever want to find the answer as to why something in America is bad, just follow the money. Trust me, I have a finance degree, which is also why Kirk could not have read this part. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Afford to choke. Bro, I'm choking, guys. I literally can't afford. <laughs> what do you mean? One plus one equals two. Done. <laughs> Isn't that a finance degree? Period. <laughs> okay. In lesser countries that take care of their citizens, the government negotiates on behalf of its constituents to establish a master pricing list that determines how much hospitals can charge patients for various services, supplies, and treatments. And for public insurance in the U.S., the case is actually pretty similar um, because of the sheer number of individuals that make up the public insurance pool. So, again, that's Medicare, Medicaid and VA. Um, the government has the numbers to push hospitals towards lower pricing. So essentially, if the hospitals say, no, we don't want to offer you that price, the government can say we'll take our business elsewhere. And then they obviously lose out on that. That kind of customer. I don't want to call them customers. Patient base. Although there's still a lot of nuance behind the pricing and what Medicare and Medicaid looks like for hospitals when it comes to profits, but I digress. There are currently over 900 private insurance companies operating in the United States today, which means that each of these those individual insurance companies holds a much lesser degree of bargaining power compared to the government. And you're going to know this too, whenever you've gone onto like a doctor's website for the first time or signing up for a new place to go, and they're like, What's your insurance? And you're like, well, I have Blue Cross Blue Shield. And you type it in and there's mm -hmm. like 300 entries for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Hartford, Connecticut. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Northwestern Pennsylvania. Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, which is something yeah. fucking different. Just Blue Cross. Just Blue Shield. And when you say 900 private insurance companies, we mean health insurance, right? Not even Correct. Just, that's just. Yeah, no, that's yeah. not including home insurance, whatever. Life insurance. Yeah. yeah. It's just your, your medical. Correct. Wow. So that's to say that off the bat, the cost of care can look completely different solely based on who your insurance provider is. I mentioned earlier the idea of a master price list, and that is essentially at the crux of what keeps foreign medical bills so low. Um, so here's an example. According to the Peterson KFF Health Systems Tracker, coronary bypass surgery would cost about 34000 USD in Switzerland, 24000 USD in the UK. And what do you think it would be in the U.S.? Well, I already saw it, but... Yeah, I looked at it. Oh, so yeah, I forgot. Answer. I did tell you to read. <laughs> you did oh tell us. We, we actually followed your directions this time. But I, I would, I think, guess very close to this because I had... Um, Coronary bypass surgery? Oh, my God. I had, no, 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 no. I, I had surgery on my... Breaking news. My <laughs> abdominal wall maybe like seven years ago, eight years ago. There was like scar tissue that caused like a, an issue with my intestines. Anyway... That was a trip to the ER and then two nights in the hospital. That whole thing. I mean, the surgery was less than an hour. You know, they kept me there for observation until I could eat. And then they sent me home. And the whole thing was $55,000. I had insurance. Right. What was crazy is you see the bill. The original bill was like 54000 and some change. And then it showed the discount because the hospital accepted my insurance mm -hmm. and they had some pre-negotiated rate for these these different services. So that brought it down to $9,000. And that's then- That's how much you spent? That's how much the insurance company paid the hospital. They didn't pay the full 55,000. Correct. They paid the $9,000. And then all I had to do is $300 in copay. Because at this point, I had really good insurance with the last place I worked. So it was $100 for the admission to the ER 
and then a hundred dollars for each night I stayed at the hospital. Damn, bitch, are they still hiring? <laughs> they did have really, really good insurance, but it is wait, insane that's to me. Wait, well, no, I'm confused. Where how they pay for the rest? They didn't. They just discounted it because insurance oh. companies have buying power. So if you're an individual, yeah. you'll get stuck with that fifty-five thousand dollar bill. But because they had enough buying power that it dropped all the way down to nine thousand dollars. And that's even to say, like on average. So to put this into perspective, on average, an uninsured person pays four times as much as yeah. an insured person. That is not to say that me as an insured person, I'm not dishing out $9,000. I'm dishing out my copay. It is that the insurance company has negotiated it down to $9,000 towards my bill. So that means that the uninsured person is being charged $36,000. And on top of that, there's no one to kind of subsidize that bill. Obviously, there's a lot of programs that do support people who are in that position. But that's also to say that, you know, it's also insane that we have to have programs in place to support people who are in that position um, or that we have people who are in the position of being uninsured at all. Yeah. And a lot of people can get out of their medical debt. This is advice, by the way, by not paying or simply calling the, the hospital or healthcare provider and just saying like, hey, I can't pay this. And they'll often discount it or or put you on a payment plan or something. And that's because they just wildly inflate the prices. Don't pay it. Don't pay it. But a lot of people end up still having to pay it anyway. Like you just don't have the negotiating power that an insurance network mm-hmm. will have. To me, the insurance, the health insurance industry is like a chicken or egg situation. It's like partially like prices are high because, you know, there's these gigantic legal entities going back and forth with each other. So they can kind of work the price down this way, but bring it up in other ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it benefits everybody, but we shouldn't even need insurance. We should just be able to fucking get ourselves healed. Um, one thing I just looked up that I thought would be interesting is something that would be the cost of having a baby. And that doesn't mean like raising the baby. Obviously that's on, on you, but Her. the cost of like to, de- <laughs> to deliver a fucking baby is, is insane. The vaginal delivery is the obviously the average in the U S Vaginal delivery is $14,000 and then C-section is $26,000. Obviously that's before insurance, but like if you don't have insurance and you're having a baby and you go in to have a baby, which like is, you know, one of those things where like it has to be done right because if it's not like your life's at stake and so is the baby's um, is so expensive. And and then that's not to mention probably, maybe it is, but the hospital stay and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I have friends who have two kids um, I think their oldest is 10 now. I think she's she's 10 or 11. Um, they're still paying her off. Mm. They're paying both kids off. And when they had That's the so first kid- That's so fucked up to say. I love it. I love it. They're paying it was, her it off. It was almost a decade ago. And uh, I mean, they were just in a much different place in life, mm-hmm. making much less money. And that's just followed them yeah. forever. Now they've been very, very lucky, you know, job hop and get into better and better positions. But- you know, they would be paying her off basically for almost the rest of their lives if that wasn't the case. Yeah. Imagine you start off this child's life in debt and then there's all the things. Then there's college still or a yeah, medical you're paying event. off the birth. You can never save. You can never save for college. Well, you know, what you could abortion have been way cheaper. Honestly, it's really not. Abortion's expensive. <laughs> no. Uh, well, it's still cheaper no. in the long run than having yeah. a kid. yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it does say something to the fact that anything that would be pretty every day in another country is an ordeal here where, you know, you have a kid, you know that there are certain expectations around how much time you'll be able to take off um, for like paternity, maternity, how much support you'll have financially, whereas here it's kind of the same thing, right? Not to, you know, ever to a different subject on my own fucking episode, but there's still parallels to how we treat these things that should be basic necessities and how much we kind of disregard them. And it's up to, let's be honest, the more liberal states to kind of decide that because insurance is not determined on a federal level. It's state. A lot of this is a state by state issue. That's why you'll see Anthem Blue Cross of Connecticut, Anthem Blue Cross of California, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. so there's so much nuance to it 
um, that rests within the states yet you see the states that are kind of at the forefront of this and they tend to lean a certain way. Um, and, and I just think it's kind of interesting what these talking heads said, say, and then what their policies so clearly support, which is, you know, families that can't afford to take care of their own. That also brings up a good point about different states. What happens if I need medical assistance or my girlfriend needs medical assistance if we're traveling, because you don't know when you're in network or out of network, mm-hmm. you don't want to limit your travel options to just where are, is your insurance accepted in network. But even in the same state, like I was home when I had my surgery and I drove to the local hospital, the local ER. I was lucky that they accepted my insurance, but it's possible I could have driven to my local ER and they didn't accept insurance. But it's 4 a.m. I'm puking my guts out. I can't even stand upright. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to do at that point? There's nothing else you can do. And I was at my friend's house who was a couple towns over and I decided to come home when I started showing symptoms. If I'd stayed there, I would have gone to a completely different hospital and it might've been a completely different story in terms of care and billing. And that's why like a master price list is so important. Literally going to next town over makes such a huge difference in price, Mm -hmm. but there's no way you can know that. Like it's the only thing that we purchase in life that we don't know the price beforehand. And you can't shop when you're bleeding out. Yep. You can't shop. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Or even if you're not bleeding out, if you're in like that, definitely those situations more so than others. But like, how am I going to shop and figure out which in my situation, which we'll get into, like my chronic issues, like ENT is the best other than reading Google reviews and hoping that they're right. Like I can't like yeah. do, a you know, do a show, show me your, re- all three of you show me how, you're doing surgery on somebody and I pick my favorite. Like it's, it's just like, you're just hoping you get someone that can, can fix you and then you have to, you have to pay for it regardless. Even, you know, when you think about a mental health crisis, you have to like your brain. I can only describe it as it feels like your brain is absolutely scrambled and to put any amount of emphasis on one continuous thought is really difficult. Um, And the best that you can do is to get help. And so then what? You have to hope that your friend just so happens to know a place that's in network, you know, accepts your insurance um, is then you have to help you get admitted. It's one of those things where when you need it the most, you have it in the back of your head. How much is this going to cost me? What is this right. going to look like for me? It's like there are people who think about what this is going to look like to their wallet before they think about what this is going to look like to their lives. Well, and is it going to fix the situation at hand? Yeah. Yeah. Going back to my situation, a couple of years prior to that, I had gotten food poisoning really bad. Like I couldn't, I could not stop throwing up. Even if I would just drink a little bit of water, I would immediately start throwing up. So I was getting so dehydrated that I called an ambulance and I went a mile down the road to the hospital because I was just puking so frequently that there was no way I could have ever driven myself. And I got to the hospital, they gave me fluids. um, And then I got sent home and, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal. But Six months later, I got a bill in the mail from the ambulance company Mm -hmm. that responded to the call and drove me there. And it was for like $600. Um, And I called my HR person and we called the insurance company and they said, oh yeah, this happens all the time. First responders will follow up months and months later and send you a bill. You already paid for it in your original hospital bill six months ago. So just ignore it and they'll they'll go away, which is what happened. But that experience then, the next time this happened where I actually did need surgery, I waited it out much longer than I should have before I went to the hospital. And then I drove myself um, because I didn't want to take an ambulance and have the same issue. And it was just, again, a mile down the road, same hospital. They told me if I hadn't gotten there, if I'd gotten there a little bit later, my intestine would have been sitting dormant for too long and it, it could have actually started dying and it would have had to resection part of the intestine because it Jesus hadn't had enough Christ. blood flow for too long. But uh, yeah, I waited, I waited hours longer than I normally would have because I didn't want to take an ambulance. What did that man do to you, Andrew? And anyway, that's the story about how I met Paul. <laughs> I was going to go back. We were talking about, you know, paying or not paying in that type of situation of like Andrew was mentioning, you know, like, Make sure you tell if you can't afford it, go on a payment plan. What I've learned, and I've talked to doctors about this because I have my own chronic issues that I can share, but 
um, like doctors that are friends of mine or parents, friends called of- being a homosexual. Yeah, so I've been trying this chronic disease <laughs> <laughs> that I can't seem to afford. That's not fake. Um, but I asked, I've asked many of my parent, friends, parents were doctors or friends that are now doctors about paying for stuff. And kind of what it is, is if you get these bills and you don't pay them, they do not affect your credit. So medical bills don't affect your credit. So if, you delete, if, they, if they're left unpaid, yes, they still exist and they're out there, but they don't affect you in, in ways that other bills affect you if you don't pay or other things that you owe don't pay. So I talked to my one, my one friend's dad who has his own private practice. And he was like, in, in, when it comes down to these big hospitals that you're going to and working with, not, by not paying them a few thousand dollars, it's not affecting them. They're massive conglomerations. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like a private practice, he's like, so $300 to me is $300 to me. Like that person owes me $300 to me. I'm a, pri- I'm a private practice. You know what I mean? So it affects me. So you, you can do the same thing. It's just kind of like, if you're trying to be like, like the one part is obviously about affording it. But the second part is like, if you don't want to feel like you're affecting someone's business or their life, like yeah, I own a private practice was affecting me, but like who gives a fuck about XYZ huge hospital that gets, it doesn't need your $3,000 or whatever, even like $50,000 or you might know them if you don't have insurance. Um, obviously pay bills when you're supposed to pay bills, but I don't know. I got over the years with my issues that I've had and all of the things here and there that have popped up of like, that have just put me into like a drowning overwhelmingness of bills when it comes to medicine. I've received some that go to collections. You get, they call you, you freak out because you think you're like, you know, debt collecting is not really something you want to get a phone call from. And, um, but many experiences where I have one in particular, it was probably one I owe like two to $3,000 to, um, an ENT, I want to say it was at, it's a big, um, a big hospital and I hadn't paid it. And then they were telling me how much it was. And I was like, well, can I do a payment plan? Cause I don't want to give you all this money right now. And then they were like, well, actually, if you, after talking for a half hour about what the payment plan could be like, well, actually, if you pay like $300 of the today, we can just get rid of it. Like if you want to give us as much as you can. I was like, okay, so this is fake. So what you're telling me is I don't, I don't need to pay for this because you took it down from like 3000 something to 300 just because you want as much of it gone. So they want as much of that debt gone because it's on their plate now. Um, but so what I end up doing is my dad is, is a lot of things. And one is he can <laughs> speak his way around. I don't know the phrase, but you know what I mean? He, he can finagle himself out of that. So I was like, Hey dad, can you call this? And he ended up getting me into nothing. And they were like, fuck it. But like, it, it's, so you have to just like really play the game sometimes. I mean, that's a, that's more or less when it gets to a place of you haven't paid it and then it goes to credit collections. But um, I think Andrew mentioned earlier, you can say the same thing to a hospital probably that you can't afford it. And it, it's, it's, I don't reckon, you know, I'm not saying don't pay bills, but like, honestly, don't pay your fucking bills or your taxes. To me, it, it you have the moral high ground because again, like you don't know what you're paying. If you want a TV you can go to Costco and you can look at the TVs and say, um, that's too much money. You can go down the road to Best Buy and look at another TV and say, oh, this one's on sale. I'm going to buy this one. That doesn't exist in healthcare. So you're kind of just stuck with a bill and then yeah. you're mm-hmm. assumed you just have to be okay with it. It's overwhelming. And it's like, like when things well, like I've had three sinus surgeries because my chronic issue is like a head situation that I've been trying to figure out and three different surgeries that have not helped or worked after insurance are still like a few thousand dollars. So it's not like a few hundred dollars where you, yeah, yeah, I can pay that all. But like, it's like, why do I want to keep spending $4,000 in a fucking surgery that's not working? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also not like a car. Like if a mechanic fucks up your car, you can go back and say, you fucked up my car. I'm not going to pay that bill. So either give me my money back right, or right. make it right. Fix the problem. I have a friend who recently had a dental procedure and completely like the dentist fucked up her tooth. Her teeth are fucked up. Like she's getting them fixed. Like she's an animal problems, but she had this issue and they completely fucked up. Like they did the wrong thing in her fucking mouth. Oh my like God. they completely fucked up her mouth and then charged her for it. And it's like, excuse me. No, you just fucked up my mouth. I didn't ask. This is not what I asked for. That happened to um, my girlfriend's mom. Um, maybe 15 years ago. This is before I, I really knew them. Um, her, her mom fell in their driveway and broke her wrist. Well, they took her to mm-hmm. the local hospital, the closest hospital. Who knows what went wrong? The surgeon really fucked it up. And then when they eventually went to somebody else who then tried to salvage what they could in the wrist and the hand, they said, oh, ev- like everything was destroyed and done wrong and like never should have been done this way. But by that, it's too late. And her hand is basically this almost useless claw ever since. Now, they're not the type of people to sue or go back to well, the hospital. Well, they're on OnlyFans. Oh, my God. Kurt. <laughs> so I just want to announce, like, I know this is a little bit out of the blue, but I'm quitting the podcast. <laughs> so, yes, it's true that you can go to a hospital or a care provider and fight your bill or ask for it to be lower or get on a payment plan, negotiate, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. But the thing is, is like not many people have time for that. 
Yeah. You know, you work in an Amazon warehouse. They don't mm-hmm. even let you take a fucking piss. Yeah. How are you going to oh. call your primary care provider or a hospital or a lawyer yeah. um, during business and hours? And it's just going to stack up and stack up and stack up. And it gets overwhelming. And then yeah. you don't know what to do at all. Yeah. And then you think you're crippling in this debt, which you are. I mean, everyone is literally one like health catastrophe away from complete and utter like financial deterioration. Like everybody. I don't care how rich you are. Literally. I mean, uh, over a certain point. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. I know. But I mean, it's like average right. people, average rich people, average rich people still too. We brought this point up on the um, episodes about the SAG-AFTRA and WGA strikes. Yeah, yeah. But we are so much closer, everybody really, unless you're like in the 1% of the 1%. Even people who are just into that 1%, if you're 99% or even into that 1%, you are so much closer to complete destitution than you are anywhere near Elon Musk or Bill Gates or anybody mm-hmm. like that. You get cancer and you have weekly treatments and in and out of the hospital. You get in a horrible car accident. I mean, it's a standard part of life now that everybody posts their GoFundMes yeah. because they got into a car accident. And I don't fault any of those people. It's like, Oh, now I have $150,000 worth of debt because yeah. I had to be medevaced. And it's like, I was splattered across the pavement. How am I going to tell them, don't medevac me because it's going to be fucking $100,000 to do that? Yeah. I just find it so ironic that I'm sick during this episode. Um, I love that. But that's the thing about it, right? God, I'm getting sick just hearing about all of this. But I think that's a big thing in it. And all of this that we keep coming back to is... In something that can cost so much and vary so much, there's no bargaining power, really, yet it can ruin your life. And like that's what's so frustrating about all of this is that there's so many different scenarios and this can look like a hundred different things to a hundred different people. But ultimately... Even if you look at other countries, I doubt that, you know, you're seeing so many varying scenarios in, say, Germany or Sweden, these countries that do have socialized health care. Well, and they're on average healthier people. Yeah. Which is another topic. But and here it's like where you what state you live, not even what state you live in, what zip code you live in, what you have the best access to, what job you have, how you grew up, where you grew up. All of these. And then on top of that, right, you have some actuary who's over there calculating how much like your life is worth and all these other things. And there's so much that goes into this system. Yet all we really understand from it is that it doesn't work like that is the only thing that I think you could say every single American agrees on is that this doesn't work. And a lot of it comes from the fact that it's very convoluted the issue and I, and that we're going to get a little bit to it in the next part but there's so much behind this issue where it's yes it's our governments yes it's the hospitals but it's also big pharma it's also um some of these companies that are responsible for creating medical supplies um it's lobbyists it's washington it's all these different things and on top of that we are the ones who have to pay for it there's so many inputs and all we get is this garbage output. It is like watching someone eat a fine dining meal and all you get is the shit it turns into. Oh, you know, that's how I felt on this cruise. I was just on, I shit my brains out, but I was eating good ass food. What he means is this is the one time per year that he actually eats. I was I just thinking so much, that. guys. I ate escargot. I ate escargot. Oh Come yeah. On. How'd that go? It was good. It just tasted like uh, like garlicky butter, but it was like fine. Yeah, it's not really the most pungent. No, meal. it's not. But I ate it. As much as I want to blame the government, hospitals and practices play a big role in this as well. I went for my annual exam earlier this year, and mind you, this was at a pretty big hospital in Philly. And I inquired with my physician about some concerns I had about my weight, a.k.a. I was trying to get Ozempic, (laughs) which I I didn't, if anyone's wondering. Um, My physician asked me a couple of questions and noted that blood sugar is tested as a part of the normal blood work um, and that she would call me if anything looked off or kind of out of range. A week goes by, I get a call and she says everything actually looked pretty good. Blood sugar, 
could afford to be a little bit lower. And then three weeks later, I get a bill for $130 in the mail. Um, And for those who don't know, most insurances are supposed to cover 100% of preventative care, and that does include annual physicals. Um, And that also includes the blood work that comes with it. And again, I didn't get anything that was outside of the normal paneling. And so I reached out to my insurance company to ask why I received a bill at all for something that should be free. And I found out that I was actually charged $130 because I asked about my blood sugar, which is not considered a part of a normal physical exam. Girl, you got some expensive ass blood sugar. I know. You want to taste? <laughs> she has the sugar. Oh, uh, I don't oh. Have, almost. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that my primary care provider hands us like a little printed out paper every time you go there for your annual exam and it's like what not to talk about if you want this to be free kidding me (laughs) i need that shit like but it's ridiculous it's like don't talk about literally anything you just kind of have to sit there in silence and listen to the doctor tell you to exercise more well so and that kind of gets into the question of how does that i've definitely talked to my primary care during a physical about things that are not on the agenda they probably let you, but if you like, Maybe I guess I've been it charged. Also, and I haven't noticed. It also depends on the primary care physician and like. Yeah, I'm sure if it goes to like testing, you know. It's Listen, like, if they can ask you how many people you fucked, they can ask about your fucking blood sugar. Okay. Um. Okay, you do believe that. I do, and I recognize that you believe that. <laughs> <laughs> you get asked how many people you fuck because how many sexual part? Okay, that is a normal question. No. I actually don't get asked. Not that. if you're straight. Oh, I get. Okay, well that. Is, oh, well, I'm about to sue my fucking primary I'm care Yeah, I've actually no, never. Comment, really? I've never. Are had you on prep? Yeah, but like that doesn't. But that that's like. I mean, it's probably on your chart, and I just asked those. No, questions. but I think when I was a kid, not a kid. When I was a kid, they would ask me that. No, when oh, I was that's a kid, they would ask me. Oh, I said just my local priest. <laughs> well, I can marry him now because the the pope said it's legal. Yeah, woke Pope. Woke Pope for the win. Oh, my God. Woke Pope. The way that we can never stay on subject. Anyway. Keep going, Erica. So, the reason why we... Kirk was not charged for that. Andrew gets told what to not talk about. And I was told fucking nothing and just got my ass handed to me with a stupid fucking bill is because of something called unbundling. Hot. It sounds hot, to be honest. <laughs> I know, like, he unbundled me. Well, under unbundled the autumn me. Moon. Oh, that just sounds like a really bad romance novel. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Oh, okay. <laughs> Kirk, the not unbundling. Will you unbundle me? I would actually love to bundle a towel over your head forever. Oh, that would be racist. <laughs> <laughs> and then pour a gallon of water over it. <laughs> what the hell girl what in the hell I'm talking about waterboarding your ass you guys got some weird kinks okay anyway it's called enhanced interrogation Kirk. does your doctor ever ask your kinks or is that just me <laughs> oh my god I don't think that's a doctor you're going to man I wanna quit so badly did you find him at your dad's glory hole <gasps> I'm screaming oh my god oh my god Stop. I hope your dad listens to this episode. Your dad's glory hole is fucking pod lore. Oh, my dad doesn't have a glory hole, people, but if you heard that episode, you'll know what he's talking about. I wish we would stop saying Kirk's dad's glory hole, quite frankly. It's a rough thing to say or think about. Or hear multiple times. <sighs> anyway, the practice of unbundling is a practice of taking what would be a normal procedure and essentially adding a whole bunch of steps to it and adding a code for each step so i know kirk is probably the only one of us who would understand this example because well quite frankly we've never had any experience with this matter but it's like flying spirit airlines okay (laughs) instead of being charged one price for your flight experience you have to pay to choose your seat print your ticket and i assume receive oxygen they do not charge <laughs> you to print your ticket. That's crazy. I mean, they might. I've never, I've just used it on my phone. They oh probably my, do. Fame, by the way, interjecting a little bit because I just flew Spirit last night as we record this. 
Um, first time, first time I have in a very long time. Not gonna lie. Honestly, the planes they have updated. The, the they're not that terrible. I'm not gonna lie. But I gave my um. I don't. Give, I keep saying I'm not gonna lie. I gave um my friends my bag to take on the American. So my bag flew nicer than I did. I my flight was four hours delayed, and I got home at four o'clock in the morning. And you know what they gave me? Do you know what the incentive they gave me? A $7 food voucher. $7, seven, $7, everyone, that you couldn't use on the flight. You couldn't use before the flight because they, everything was closed because it was two o'clock in the morning in the airport. And then you could only use it at the next airport, so Philadelphia International Airport, when you got off, when things were also closed because it was four o'clock in the morning. And even if things were open, I was not going to buy f- breakfast. I was getting the fuck home to my bed. <laughs> and that's what you get, girl. And honestly, that's more than I've ever gotten from an insurance company. Literally. Honestly. So there's a second part to this. And that's also this idea of upcoding, which is essentially where they charge you more for a more expensive diagnosis or procedure. Um, so that could be that I receive a diagnosis that I'm pre-diabetic when like I've always kind of sat on the cusp um encoding me with that diagnosis that kind of changes a what things look like moving forward but b it also changes how I would be charged for things like testing for example um and so these are kind of both experiences where you are expecting to pay something for whatever level of care and will we trust these doctors and i'm not saying that it's necessarily the doctors who are you know malicious in what they're doing i think there is benevolence there as well but based off of how they are instructed to do their jobs they are sitting there and you are getting fucked over for inquiring about care and mind you us Americans go see doctors way less than any of the other G7 countries. So that is to say that even looking at that, when I go to the doctor for my annual, bitch, that is my annual visit to the doctor. As in, I'm not seeing that hoe again unless I am dying or dead. So naturally, you would assume that I would go, I would ask those questions and kind of, See if there's anything preventative that I could do for myself so that I don't need to come back to the doctor. But while this is happening, I'm also being charged for something that is considered preventative care. Um, And it's all the semantics of it where Kirk, your doctor, could say, well, you know, Kirk inquiring about his chronic syphilis is deemed. Oh, it's chronic syphilis. Uh, I'm going to refer to it as that from now on. (laughs) I quit. I quit. I quit. Kirk, what the fuck were you going to say before you uttered that heinous fuck shit? (laughs) You were saying that if Kirk were to inquire about his chronic syphilis. So if Kirk were to. (laughs) So if you ask a question at the doctor, your physical that's unrelated to physical things, you get you get charged. So what I was getting to is it's not consistent. And so I, I, say, yeah. I yeah. have gone to other um, care providers where I was charged for things that I literally had never in my life been charged for. Um, once I inquired about birth control to a primary care physician and I was not charged for it at all. It was considered a part of my annual and she did it for me. And then I inquired about birth control to a different primary care physician and I was charged for it. It was like $60 yeah, this is news to me. This is news to me, but I believe it. I just, I think it's really interesting. Cause like you're there at the doctor, you're going to ask questions about your body, like in your health. Like that's crazy. And I think it does depend on your primary care provider. I mean, mine is pretty regimented about the annual visit. They do the same like eight things every time. And, you know, you get the same exact blood work, but if you want any extra blood work, it's, you know, an additional charge um, outside of what they would consider that narrow, like, you know, here's your annual physical, here's what you get. But at the same time, it's hard to switch to another doctor 
I mean, first you have to find a doctor that has open slots and Mm -hmm. is taking new patients. And then you have to hope that you like that doctor's personality and they have a well-run office. Like I'm literally fighting for my life. (laughs) Maybe we should take you to the doctor. Uh, it's and cheaper don't ask to die. The wrong question. It is quite literally cheaper to die. Or her. It could be her. You know, one thing I would like to mention, because this is a topic we've wanted to talk about for a while, and we're not going to talk about it in full today. But just because, Erica, when you were speaking, um, I thought you were going to touch on this and you didn't, which is okay. But within not only are there other things in this country that are, when it comes to the medical system, that are flawed and problematic and an issue financially, but also with the type of care dependent upon who you are and how people of color in this country are treated differently in the medical system, especially black women. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's such a rabbit hole to go down. Oh, yeah. It was more so that I couldn't put it in this episode without making this like a 10 day episode. But for sure, you're completely right in that I've had experiences where I, I remember I went to a doctor. He was a male gyno and I told him that I think that I had endometriosis based off of like some research I did conversations I had with friends. And I said, I would really like to look into it more. And he goes, Oh, it's probably not that. And I was 21. And so I just said, okay. Right. Yeah. What else are you going to do? Yeah. I, I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to fucking medical school. I fucking barely passed biology. And so when he said, Oh, it's not that it's probably not that I thought, oh, there must be something that he's seen in my history that says that that's not the case. And that wasn't. He just didn't check. And so I also think that there's discrimination in care, but we are also still supposed to pay for the same quality of care. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also discrimination in that hospitals don't particularly like um, Medicare, Medicaid, VA patients because it does cost them money. And that they are probably paying lower prices um, compared to someone like either of us who has private insurance as well. And so, I mean, I think that's just, you know, a very truly American tale as old as time is racism and stereotyping and prejudice that comes from a situation that they literally created and helped create themselves. But I could write a whole book on that. Yeah. We are not experts on this. We are everyday idiots. Who do you think is responsible for cleaning this up? If we had to say we, this needs to be changed. (laughs) Who's going to clean your healthcare system, Donald Trump? (laughs) I don't know what the fuck you're going to say, but it wasn't (sighs) that you bitch. I hate you. (laughs) Kirk. Oh my God. I'm crying. Okay. Anyway. In all of this, who do you think should be responsible for kind of writing this system? Because it's very cyclical, right? If a whole bunch of insurance companies are able to get the price to the lowest dollar, hospitals are going to lose out on profits. Hospitals are going to close. But that is also to say that it kind of flips back as well. Right. Where maybe hospitals just start saying no and that kind of rifts the problem, too. Or we change the system altogether and we do a single provider model. But then who's to say that all of these lobbyists aren't going to inflate prices as well? So who do you think if if there's supposed if there's one group in all of this um, with all the millions of players involved and that also includes suppliers as well? So. Big Pharma, et cetera, et cetera. Who do you think has the most responsibility and the most power to rectify and right our healthcare system? Um, well, I've been Kelly Osborne. I would say <laughs> that Bernie Sanders. Wasn't it Obama's job? Oh my God. Obama, didn't Obamacare fix everything? It should have. It didn't have. Uh, no, it, it, if it was done properly, not, you know. I don't think insurance is the answer. And I mean, single payer insurance is a step in the right direction, but the fact that we need insurance at all is just, yeah. it's insane. And and it's sort of this vicious cycle where the insurance companies and the care providers and the pharmaceutical companies and the government can go around and around and around, and they have all this power on figuring out what things cost or don't cost. 
but obviously they're not doing a good job of it because we have the highest cost for everything in the world. And that ends up getting passed on to consumers. But to me, the big problem is that it has a profit motive behind it at mm-hmm. all to begin with. Why is this something that people are making money off of? And I have no problem with doctors and care providers making good money. Yeah. Because they're providing a very necessary service. They have a lot of skills. You know, skill. though, I've, good doctors should fucking get paid. Good. That, that's, that's, I mean, I guess there are people that have been fired who are bad doctors, right? Like on average, like it's such a, it's such a different kind of job and profession than a, like a corporate job where like, yeah, yeah, like people skate through sometimes and like, mm-hmm. I get it and that's fucked up and not fair and it's politics and whatnot. But when it comes to like the health of other people, like I don't, it's just like, it's just too, there's so much to it because you could like go start your own practice and really not be that great of a doctor, but maybe you succeed in other ways because people like you. I don't know, but it's just like, there's a lot of more control that these people have um, once you're a doctor. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's certainly doctors that don't end up working or whatever because they're, something happens or they're not good enough or whatever. But I just think there are a lot of really bad doctors and unless they do something super like criminal, they're not removed from being a doctor. Yeah. And those people make the same amount of money or more money as a doctor that's actually helping people. But there's not really, really, it's like we can't have like a rating system of this doctor's really good and they make more money. I, I don't know. I just think that one of the, there's, I just, it does bother me sometimes in like a really shitty doctor is making all this money. Like, what are they even doing? You know, one of the arguments that people have against a socialized healthcare system is, oh, things are going to cost so much money for us now because everything's going to be rationed and scarce and mm-hmm. we're going to have long wait times. But that's that's not the case. Obviously, we we pay way more money for our medical procedures than other countries do, and it, it's very hard to quantify, you know, how good care is in other countries versus ours. But just in my experience, I know multiple people who have had malpractice issues and gone to bad doctors and bad yeah. surgeons and had issues. So, is our healthcare really that much better? Can we really justify it? But the other thing is that people talk about with like in Europe is doctors make less money. Mm-hmm. And is if this is this horrible thing and who's going to want to be a doctor? Well, doctors in Europe want to be doctors. <laughs> That's a bar, girl. Period. <laughs> this arbitrary thing. Again, it's like who's setting the prices? Who's saying that this is I almost said, hold on. I almost said That's a bar. And they passed it. But That's a lawyer. <laughs> Oh, Kurt. <laughs> and that is why you don't do your own surgery. <laughs> Here's my thing. Comparatively, yes, I've heard I've heard a pretty significant range of things when it comes to how people in their own countries view their healthcare systems. I spoke to someone who was from Ireland and he was like, Yeah, things are a little bit slow. Um, where you can't necessarily expect to get things handled quickly, but also not for nothing. We live in a major city. Well, Andrew doesn't, loser. For me to go see a gyno, I know that I'm about three months out. Um, I'm constantly scheduling three months out. I've scheduled six months out. So, so we don't even have that same you know, ease and quality of care that some other countries do benefit from. Um, and we do suffer some of the same road blockages that countries that do have, you know, concerns with their the quality of their health care system have as well. I do think it's always going to be a part a little bit of human nature to complain about um, the systems that your governments have put in place. It's just a little bit hard for me to sympathize with a bitch from a Danish lingerie <gasps> store who's trying to tell me that, what was me? We pay 50% in taxes, bitch. We pay like 33% in taxes and we get fucking nothing. But I digress. That is to say that we pay a lot more, like we, we're we paying the same amount as these other countries, right? Like we are paying the same amount. We're spending the same amount on public healthcare as a lot of countries like Germany, Denmark, Sweden, Switzerland, but we are spending almost twice as much in the aggregate for healthcare, which means that we're essentially spending like 60% of our overall yeah. spend on privatized. And so it really shows you that there's there's public dollars there. I think that there's money in the pool. Realistically, if a doctor gets paid an extra $40,000 a year, if you look at it patient over patient, like that doesn't cost anyone a lot of money. So to me, it's the hospitals as a business. I know 20 or 30 people who work in coding at hospitals. Like that's how big this is in their business. 
And that's how important how important it is that they make money. And those are business decisions that are being made. Um, I think what's unfortunate is we've made an industry out of something that is a basic need. And so how do we remove the industry from that? And to me, it comes a lot from the hospital um, stakeholders, shareholders, boards of trustees, et cetera, et cetera. That's who I'm throwing in the fire. I agree, because there's always going to be a conflict between the profit motive and helping people. Yes. As as much as individuals in the health system, and I'm saying this from experience because I do work in the pharmaceutical industry, I see the inside of the beast and how much, you know, all these different levels of complexity to the system serves the system to make even more money because it's so it's so opaque and there's just nothing that you can do against such a juggernaut of an industry. Mm -hmm. And when you do have shareholders that you have to answer to, and this broadly goes for all companies within capitalism, right? Like there's a reason why there's basically child slaves making our clothes and our phones. You know, you're always going to find the least amount of money that you can put into something to get the maximum profit out because mm-hmm. that's ultimately your only imperative in a capitalistic system, in a market system, you have to please the shareholders first. And what do the shareholders want? They want that annual five to 10% every single year. Yeah. So you have to increase price of services. You have to increase patience, thus decreasing the time that you have with your doctor. I'm sure we've all experienced getting into an appointment and they barely look at you. They look through your chart. They say, hey, are you good? You good at home? Anything weird going on? Great. And then mm-hmm. that's it. And they're rushing out the door. That all feeds into the system. And unfortunately to me, being the incredibly stupid guy that I am, the only way that I can see to fix the system is to remove the profit motive. I mean, I completely agree. And to the be honest. I agree. They're beeping. Yeah, they No, we have support. Hey, girls. To be honest, we could have a fucking wheel of subjects and we could just hit it with a get rid of the profit motive dart and we've found the solution. But that is it, right? Like it is greed. This is all, I think, a great example of what happens when you mix greed in with the good of humanity. Greed is always it's too much of a weed. It doesn't matter Oh, greed is a weed. Period. Honestly, what a bar. Oh my it's God. All that I need. So, no, <laughs> no, that's not going on the shirt. What I said is going on the shirt. Oh, here we go. Trying to make profit off of something. Period. <laughs> you think I do this out of love? You think I deal with you turd bags out of love? No, it's money that we don't earn. Please, please, please. The proper way to address me is Mr. Colostomy. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> the pharma part of it is interesting. Too. I think that's why I think there's like, you can't just up. It's not just, yes, it's the hospital's a business, but even then like the pharma's a business, the pharma's trying to sell a drug that like is going to help you and fix all your problems. And here's this antibiotic. It's going to get rid of this. And here's that's going to get rid of this. But then here's all these side effects. These side effects are going to put you right back into the hospital to get more money out of you. Like not every time the side effects happening, but. Okay. Before we take the red pill on medical care. <laughs> I mean, I I do agree with you. And I think that is the case with every corner of the industry. There's always a profit motive. Pharmaceuticals are one part of care and it starts with the manufacturers. They spend years developing a drug. They bring it to market. They have patent protection for a while before it can go onto the generic formulary. They can set basically any price they want. I mean, there is some negotiation that goes into that to figuring out the price, but that is what pharmaceutical companies are looking for. They're looking for that next big product that they can have that 10 years of brand exclusivity Mm -hmm. that they can make a ton of money on. Um, They're looking for orphan drugs. Those are drugs that were manufactured for a very specific purpose. It's for like a really rare disease or something like that. They can jack the price way up. No one else is making it. They are looking for rare disease state drugs that they can charge a whole lot of money for. And I mean, when we are talking about something like certain cancer drugs, they can be extremely difficult to transport. They have to be kept you know, below freezing, all this other stuff. But because it is such a rare drug, it's so little used, they can kind of charge whatever they want for it. And that filters down then to the hospitals. The hospitals get it from a wholesaler 
And then the hospital could decide, all right, now what are we going to mark it up to? It's our health and it, it could quite literally keep you alive and you have no say over it. You have even less say than anything else you might buy. And it's also not a choice you get to make, right? I could, in theory, never buy clothes again and take very good care of what I have. I mean, yeah, I can make the choice to not go to the hospital when I'm having a heart attack, but I'm dying. And the fucked up thing is, is people do make that choice in America. Yeah. Or people make that choice for that person, too. They're like, well, it works me, too. It's going to affect the family too much if we spend all this money on fixing this issue. So just bleed it out, girl. That doesn't even account for what the healthcare system does to people, to families, to people's mental well-being. Um, the fact that if you want to take care of yourself and go to therapy, which is something that we all should have access to, uh, it's impossible to find a therapist. I know people who wholeheartedly want a therapist, but they can't find one. They're not a network or they don't take insurance at all or they're not taking new patients And that is just a recurring theme. I think we see it a little bit more in therapy just because of how insurance usually handles therapy specifically. But it's this ever recurring cycle of if you're healthy and you want to make sure that you're staying healthy, that's hard to do. If you are in a crisis and you need help, well, you literally have to hope for the best and when it's anywhere in between, you're having to do things that are absolutely, absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like I took an Uber to the ER because I couldn't drive and I couldn't take the fucking train and I couldn't afford an ambulance. No, you put the ER in the Uber. Period. <laughs> Many such cases. These Uber drivers are not trained to handle anything like <laughs> They are Uber no, drivers. This is no, there's no dissing an Uber driver. They're not trained in anything. That's what I'm saying. Like, that is not their job. That is not why they signed no, up for Uber. But that's the situation that we're in where we're all making these decisions that we know are ridiculous and we know that are not putting our safety at the forefront because that is what we know we can afford. And that is absolutely insane that we are having to choose our wallet over our well-being because unfortunately they're inextricably tied to each other where this isn't a fun silly little purchase where yeah it sucks but i'll bounce back this could ruin my life yeah yeah to me it's like the banner problem for this country not because it's the most important i mean it is one of the most important we have so many problems that they're all the most important right now Mm -hmm. but it really is like this headlining problem for this country the American dream is that you've made it, that you've gotten your needs met. You come to America because you're going to be paid well. You're going to have a good job. That's going to set you and your family up for the future. You're going to be able to save for your future. You're going to be able to go to school. Your kids are going to be able to go to school. You'll have all your basic needs met. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To me, you can't have any of those things if you don't have health. It's a fundamentally American thing to me that we would have the best healthcare system in the world, and we don't. We have one of the worst. And we we literally just leave people to die because we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and I'm not gonna pay for somebody's, you know, bad life choices with my tax dollars when everywhere else in the world we see if everybody pays into the system, then costs are way cheaper across the board. You have one entity, the government, negotiating rates with providers and payers, and they do that for you. To me, that's the purpose of the government. It's there to handle those things. It's here for our national defense. It's here for the interstate commerce. And it's here for those big things as a benefit to the citizens. What are you going to tell the ambulance? Oh, uh, you got to drive me like three towns over because this hospital is too expensive. Uh, We're on the main line. Please take me back to the suburbs. (laughs) (laughs) Please take me back to my tax bracket. (laughs) Just start driving and don't stop until you see a cow. (laughs) That's called cruising. (laughs) Cruising for healthcare, baby. Cruising for healthcare. It is crazy though, because the same, the same out of the same guy you're talking, the same guy you're talking about says, "Put your bootstraps on and pull them up." Blah blah. Has no problem putting all this money into pay the military to protect us. But why not pay? Which is good. They protect us. Do you know how much money they're getting? Yeah, but then they fuck over those people with their VA benefit. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Burn pits and hearing loss and everything else that comes with military service. 
So really all that's there for is just to give a whole bunch of money to fucking Raytheon and Lockheed Martin. Ooh, that's another episode. And you know what? I don't care. Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, please sponsor this podcast so we can talk more shit on you to a bigger audience. You know what? Could you imagine? I would be obsessed with that. I'd love the idea of getting like blood money just to be the same idiots we are now. Hey, I will read off ads for AIM-9 Sidewinders all fucking day. They kill children. The best, better than the other things is literally how I would be able to advertise it. More children dead faster. That is the Raytheon promise. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) That should be our like. Wow, I feel like we really went through a lot and not enough at the same time. And I think that is pretty much exactly how I would describe our healthcare system. So thank you to these two idiots who are also getting consistently fucked by our healthcare system for jumping on in. And um, I think the big takeaway from this episode is don't fucking pay your medical bills. And if okay. you get arrested or something bad happens to you, just remember that it was Kirk Wilson who gave you that advice and not me. When did I say that? Literally like 45 minutes ago. Oh, I have Alzheimer's, but I can't have it treated because I can't afford to. Oh my God. Don't. Sorry to our members with Alzheimer's if you remember. Oh, they'll forget. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And if you listened to this episode and you enjoyed it or you didn't enjoy it, your bill for $78,000 will be in the mail. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, this was out of network. So, Mm. by the way, you all just subscribed to our Patreon that we've never told you about at the highest tier. You just didn't know about it. And it it pays off all of our medical debt bills. (laughs) Which is literally like just Kirk. Literally just me. No, girl, we ain't paying those. We'll have Kirk's GoFundMe as a link in the description. All right, so thanks for listening. I'm Erica. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kirk. The great civil rights issue of our time, and that is the need for every man, woman, and child to have health care as a right and not a privilege. I believe health care is a civil right. Although health care was not listed per se in the Constitution, It should be a constitutional right. You do have the right to health care and to education and to decent housing. Ms. Perry's point of view is a socialist communist vision that the state should provide all citizens a certain lifestyle at the expense of other citizens. That's a form of communism because no country could afford those payments without seizing the assets of everybody else. Thank you for listening to Hellscape Carousel. If you like what you heard, leave a five-star review, subscribe, and follow us on social media. Stay tuned for more episodes.